When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. It started pretty quick with the drinking, but it wasn't because I was really self-medicating. I was enjoying myself. You know, that was, I didn't have kids then, you know, it was like, this is all crazy. You know, like I'm just a little dude from Georgia and all of a sudden, you know, we're on tours and there's lots of people here. And I, I believe when I look back on it, that there was some sort of self-medicating that was coming from a little bit of social anxiety. I think that the attention was like overwhelming. I mean, back then there would be like, you get done playing a show and there's 200 people standing outside your bus, you know? Welcome to Knocking Doors Down. Jason Lachance here with uh, Mikey Naraki. What's up, good brother? What is going on, people? Of course, I've got a background of addictions, some childhood trauma, as well as uh, been through a divorce, some financial strains. With that, we take all those experiences and use them as inspiration to uh, motivate you guys, help keep you going, and speak with people that have been there and through it as well, Mikey. That's right. That's right. And our guest, Morgan Rose, is no different. Of course, uh, you know, he's such a sweet man and uh, really kind of an introvert to a certain extent to go out there and be in one of the uh, more aggressive hard rock bands out there in the world. And I mean, we get into all kinds of stuff. You know, he opens up about his struggles with substance abuse, uh, you know, codependency within relationships, uh, having gone through several divorces. And I'm sure that, you know, a life on the road as well as, uh, you know, the substance abuse played into a lot of that. And of course, the being away from his kids whom he loves and adores. And so it's a really great conversation. Mm -hmm. They say that the road ain't no place to start a family, as Journey would say it. That's right. (laughs) That's right. It is definitely tough we get into all kinds of things we talk about the forthcoming seven dust album his solo album what it was like filling in for tommy lee on drums and uh even his early career with music where he really just had no confidence in his ability whatsoever and if you are a fan of the band you can hear just how incredibly talented he is to uh have him open up to us about being very insecure about his playing and Mm -hmm. not confident it's like wow really it reminds me of talking to carmen electro she's like you walk into the this room and there's all these beautiful women it's like you're a beautiful woman what the heck you know it just goes to show man like you're insecure or self-conscious about something you are not the only one you're not the only person who feels that if carmen fucking electra didn't think she was pretty enough when she goes in and then what do you think the other girls were thinking when they saw her like ah shit you know what i mean so and it's uh morgan rose gets up there behind a drum kit and at some point would think the same of his playing it's like mind-blowing is like wow okay yeah we think you for listening don't forget you can subscribe knocking doors down on the apple podcast app stitcher spotify google podcast iheart radio app as well you can go to kddmediacompany.com slash podcast and uh, while you're on those platforms leave us a five-star review and uh, rating and also share with some friends share with some family members that want some inspiration and some great conversation with people so uh, we appreciate it as you continue to spread the word well, let's get into it. I know you're a busy man. I got I got a 
plenty of time for you, whatever you need. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate this you. This is this turns into a this this is like free therapy. For me at this point. <laughs> you know? That's what that's what we do. Hey, it's therapy for me. Believe me, we've had some interviews, and at the end of it, we're like, "Fuck, I need a nap." This is yeah. This is exactly my shrink is like I, I, my shrink. By the time I get off the phone with him, he's like the dude in airplane. You know, he's <laughs> got the noose out. It's like you know this one time at Nacho Grande. He's <laughs> like, I mean, he goes to therapy after he gets through talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Well, hey, Mikey, we are welcoming welcoming Morgan Rose to knocking doors down, man. Uh, my all time favorite drummer and uh, one of my favorite That's bands cool. ever is uh, Seven Dust, man. It's it's good to be talking to you. We're on the eve of a a new album coming out and a lot of exciting stuff happening for you. But uh, you're looking fucking great as always, brother. Oh man, thank you, thank you, you as well, my man. <laughs> so how, how do I look, guys? <laughs> Mikey's Mikey, you're you're on a whole nother level. Right. We're just trying to we're just skating me and me and Jason escape by over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. So uh, what uh what do you what do you got going on? How are you you're like me, you're a big sports dude. How are you holding up with all this uh sheltering in place and you know, sports I mean, kind of shut down. Well, I mean, this is, it's funny because I woke up uh, this morning and I called my girl and I'm like, I've been in the studio for a few days and then I just clicked on the ESPN app and I'm like, oh my God, like there, there's like boycotting and there's mm-hmm. no games. And I didn't know because I was in the studio for a few days. I've been, I mean, I am, I'm up to date now on the current events, mm-hmm. uh, but I was in the dark for a few days and uh, aside from that just when it was gone it was like i mean the pandemic hits i really don't love touring anymore so knowing that we had time off i was excited about it and then the pandemic hits and i'm still cool Mm -hmm. like i don't think this thing i didn't think it was gonna last very long i remember telling my girlfriend i'm like this thing will be over in a few weeks. There's no way that this is going to continue like this. And we are, you know, so something happened a few months ago where I just hit rock bottom emotionally. I, uh, I went, I started dating this girl in like late January. We had flown to see each other a few times, met up in Orlando, met up in Illinois. And then, I was going to fly to her March 6th, stay for a few days. Then we were going to New York for, I had meetings up there and she was going to meet me there. We're going to have a little vacation in New York. So this is March 6th, March 9th. I was supposed to leave. The 10th was my meetings and this thing hit like right then. So not knowing how serious it was right away, they're like, listen, you can come if you want, but there's all kinds of talk that we might be shutting down. So maybe you should wait a day or two. So I'm like, well, you know, is it cool if I stay here now? Keep in mind, I've spent probably six days with this girl and I'm like, do you mind if I stay a few extra days? She goes, you stay as long as you want. Well, stay two months. And so it's like, and the majority of those two months were glorious. Uh, But something happened to me while it was happening where it was like, okay, I'm terrified of this thing. And 
I'm hearing stories about people that are dying and they've got somebody in a hazmat suit, you know, and their family's not there with them. And I have children and I'm, I had just gone through a major medical issue in December and my doctors are like, dude, please be careful. Like you do not need to get sick. And I'm like, I was petrified. Sure. Um, So that started to affect me. And she is a total vibe girl. She doesn't drink or do drugs or do anything, you know, and she's super healthy and um, amazingly uh, positive for, for me. And here I am bringing the vibe to the ground. And uh, so I felt bad for her. I ended up leaving after two months, uh, went home for about a week and a half. She came to see me. I went back to California and she's an engineer as well. So we're like, I'm going to do a solo record. Mm -hmm. And she engineered my solo record. So it was that that kept me busy, kept her busy. Uh, You know, we enjoyed that. But I went home after that and realized that, you know, my daughter is kind of off and running. My son, uh, you know, lives with his mom when I'm not home. And then she lets me have him whenever I want. Yeah. Uh, but there was this large, you know, period of time where basically I'm like, okay, so I'm not doing anything. There's nobody around me. I'm scared to go anywhere. And I'm freaking out. And sports, which was the original question, was an outlet for me. You know, I'm yeah. a fanatic. So having no sports, I'm like, man, I, I, I mean, can't go. There's nothing. I mean, I watched all the basics, the Tiger King and all the thing, everybody, the things <laughs> everybody else did. Burn through that shit in like two days, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I really was just kind of beyond stir crazy. And then the music thing hit where I'm like, I feel like I have no identity. You know, I feel like. You know, I have a purpose of being here, I believe, and being a good father and trying to be a good man for the girl that I'm with. And what I'm built for is providing something to people musically. And I never cared about the ego stuff. I did not need to hear the, I didn't need to get the attention. Um, didn't care anything about any of that stuff. The thing that was affecting me was that I, I like giving. And to me, you know, you look out and you see somebody smiling, you see them cheering, you see them jumping, you're providing them with a moment, you know, to escape whatever it is they might be going through. And I just had that, it was just taken away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I have no purpose here. You know, I'm barely seeing my kids. I've got nothing going on musically at all. And my girlfriend is 3,000 miles away. And so I immediately jumped headfirst into therapy. Like, I knew that something was getting weird. And uh, so I needed to get in there. And that has helped immensely. You know, having hung out with you guys, uh, the Seven Dust Band, I don't know, 90 million times. And, uh, you know, we definitely imbibed, oh, yeah. um, imbibed the spirits a lot. But what I think I always connected with you was that that sensitivity of people pleaser, probably, um, but just really wanting to 
make people happy. And I always just got that from you. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, you guys were playing in Santa Rosa for a radio station that doesn't exist anymore. And it was just after you did uh, Pete, the A&R guy. And if people don't know that, we'll we'll have to post a link. And I had some big, ridiculous (laughs) sunglasses and I went and we were, we were, we were drinking at the time, to be honest, but it was doing the dueling Pete, the A&R guys. Hey, you sons of bitches aren't quite there yet. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I remember it well. Yeah, was, yeah. Uh, I mean, awesome. we've had some really good times. You know, there's uh, there's moments that um, back then, you know, being self medicating myself and yeah. uh, you know, most of that stuff came from being away from the kids. Right. You know, it was like it was worse probably with Kayla. You know, I mean, my first child, it was like it would get to the point where I would tell you know my wife at the time I would be like I'm gonna sneak out of the house because she would be just melting down and uh you know I was like if if this happens I'm gonna quit the band you know like I can't do it like and then I would do that and I would still feel guilty obviously and then I would hear her on the phone and then she'd be crying for me to come home and I'm like I'll take that drink yeah. yeah. And then you get the drink going a little bit and it's like, maybe I'll try some of those drugs too. Yeah. You know, because this doesn't seem to be helping enough. And that was, that was the vicious cycle for me was I, uh, I want to, I have to live two separate lives. I have to separate myself from that because I won't be able to make a living this way because I'll go home. Yeah. Well, not that's... a very good excuse. No. Well, but it's the thing in in our state of using, don't you think that uh, we rationalize that reasoning? Um, and, and hundred percent. And it and it's a trip. Sounded, sounded totally legit when I was doing. It. Oh yeah, fucking a, it does. And it, and the 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 weird thing is the duality of it. Like you said, it's like okay, I got this you know, for, for you or like for me when it was in radio or whatever it was is, you know, again, I, you know, I've met so many bands over the years, but really you guys in seven dust, especially yourself and, and Vince are the two people I connected with the most through it all these years. Um, because it was like the only time I felt normal being around, uh, any of these rock stars or any of these radio listeners or any of this stuff that it was kind of like, you know, these guys got a similar thing going on that that I do, and um, I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely, it's 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 just a trip. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about really how you got into music. I think even Seven Dust fans might be surprised <laughs> at at your musical background, where it started. I, am I correct that it started with your dad as an influence? Yeah. Yep. So my father um, was a gu- aspiring guitar player. Um, pretty much was like the hot shit on you know on the non-famous hot shit guitar player in new jersey and uh like leslie west from mountain had offered him a job in mountain and he didn't like the band he thought the music was shit so <laughs> he passed it up he later told me that it was more because he was not confident enough to go up and really play for people so people would just hear him play you know in his house and stuff and but uh he, he never really was like in a band or anything like that. So I'm like three or four years old and uh, he buys me a drum set. My Nana actually bought me the drum set, but set up this drum set and uh, 
he's like teaching me Hendrix songs when I'm three and four years old. And he says, you know, you could separate your limbs at four years old, you know, like it wasn't just, you know, everything, you know. So it was like I could separate, you know, right, left and hands and feet. And uh, so he was like, I knew right away that you had it. You know, you had something, you know, to be that young and be able to catch on so quick. And uh, but I was really more interested in taking it apart, putting it back together. You know, it was like a toy to me. And um, so I like to tell people that I started playing drums when I was three or four and I was retired by five. Uh, You know, and then it was sports. You know, my thing was always sports. So I pretty much got away from music as a child and then I was probably in like eighth grade uh, and I got another drum set and um, I would just play at my grandmother's house, you know, set up there and I'd play there and um, (laughs) we're about to back into semi right now. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, So uh, live feed of Morgan dying in a car accident. <laughs> you heard it first here at KDD. <laughs> like, it saw it first here. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, so it was strange. I, uh, I went through high school, you know, I went through sports and all that. That was what I wanted to do. And uh, that just didn't work out. You know, I wanted to go to college and to play baseball. And all of a sudden it turns into I think I'm going to go to college to play drums. And my parents are like, I mean, you played in a marching band for a year or so. And yeah. you know, what do you know about really? I don't know how to read. I don't know how to do any of that. And uh, a friend of mine had gone to MI and he was six months ahead of me. And he said, you can come here. You can move in here. We'll split the rent, you know, whatever. I had gotten in a car accident when I was younger and I'd gotten a settlement. So I had the money. So I went to L.A. Green as could be going to a school full of monster drummers, you know, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. I don't even know how I got accepted. They said, play a rock beat. And it was like, you know, don't stop. And I said, okay, now play a jazz beat. And it was like, everything was the same. It was garbage. So here I come to school and I'm way intimidated, overwhelmed by Los Angeles. Uh, by the people in the school, by the teachers. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at all, but I was going to school with some interesting people like John Prashante was going at the same time as me. Uh, First time I ever did performance class, we did a Steve Vai song and it was me and my friend and Prashante. Um, He hated the school. (laughs) He thought the whole thing was a program thing and that, you know, you weren't, you didn't, he barely went. Um, I think that Chad Smith might have been there then, or it was right before or after, and Lazier was there, I think, right after me as well. Mm. Um, There was a lot of, I mean, these guys are all monster players, you know, and then here I am with the doing studs, the (laughs) don't beat, you know. So I ended up going out somewhere. I was in the hair metal. This is like 1989 or 90. Right. You know, and I'm into like Motley Crue and, you know, Cinderella and like that kind of you stuff. Hit you hit two know? of my favorites right there. Yeah, man. I mean, it was that uh, was like I don't care who doesn't like it. That time was a whole different world. It was such excess and insanity. 
Yeah. And that was like where it all really started for me as I met these guys and it was all about the hair, you know, whoop the hair all the way over to the right as long as possible. Looks and attitude a must is what every ad said. You know? <laughs> really didn't need to play that well. But so these guys were from like the East Coast and they were out there. They weren't going to school there. They were out there trying to make it and they needed a drummer. I was in this band for about a month without them ever hearing me play. It was just about looking. I mean, I don't I didn't think I looked cool either, but they thought I'd. I'd I looked cool enough to be in their band. This is a pretty interesting story, but they were friends with the band Kicks. Oh, okay. And uh, and Blow My Fuse was being recorded right then. So Tom Worman, I went to their place, to Tom Worman's house, you know, and listened to them at the album release and all that. And at this time, I'd never done, I've never done drugs and drank like a little bit. Yeah. But didn't smoke weed, never liked that. Um, never had done any drugs and just drank a little bit. And now I'm not going to school at all. Now I'm hanging out with these guys and I'm going to parties and going to concerts and, you know, there's girls and there's, you know, rock stars and all this stuff. And I'm being involved in all this. So we go over to the kicks apartment after the album release. And within an hour of being there, I'm sitting on the couch and I watch, somebody i won't mention who but i watched somebody pull a rig out and just start shooting heroin right in front of me and i'm like 19 years old going you have to be fucking kidding me you know to me that was like this is the craziest shit i've ever seen to this day i still think it was pretty much the craziest shit i ever saw yeah but um so that was not something i was interested in trying out you know, at least at the time for sure. Yeah. And, um, anyway, long story short, I finally practiced with this band and I play one practice with them and they fire me immediately. They're like, guy can't play the fucking drums, you know, (laughs) looks and attitude might've been a must, but you had to be able to play. And I just, I played the damn tunes. I played that beat. (laughs) It didn't work, you know? So, uh, so they fire me and uh, now I'm just like, okay, now I'm like not going to school and I'm flunking out of school. Basically my roommates about to leave. I don't even know where I'm really going to live. I've been ostracized from this group in Los Angeles. I don't know what to do. So I'm like, I know what to do. I'll jam between my legs and go home. So I dropped out, never really learned anything totally blew it like great school had unbelievable teachers there um and i just you know got caught up in the fun stuff and not, not the work so uh i go home i end up joining a little cover band that played parties within like a month or two of playing in that band this band that was an original band playing around town came to see me and now i've learned how to play a little bit and they said would you like to be in our band and i'm like absolutely so now within a few months i'm back and i'm playing the circuit in atlanta and georgia and you know i'm on my way to you know, trying to achieve something was that the culmination of of meeting clint and john and lejean and uh, vince i met john clint and Vinny all around the same time john was a drummer in another band I, that band that I was in did not do very well. 
Um, it wasn't a popular band and it had been a popular band, but it wasn't really anymore. That guy gave me my shot though. The yeah. singer for that band gave me my shot and I always appreciated him for that. I went on to start my own band and then broke that band up and started seven dust. Actually I started another band and then that band I broke up and I started seven dust. And by the time I had gotten to the seven dust part of it, I didn't really think I would ever get a record deal or sure. succeed in the music industry. Cause it'd been, you know, three or four bands at this point that had all been turned down. So my MO about putting that band together, cause it had been, you know, there was always somebody in the band that was like, Oh God, this guy, you know, I got to deal with this fucking dude. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, I don't even care if the band's any good. I just want to, I want to play music and enjoy it, you know? Right. So I'm like, Vinny was in the band prior to Seven Dust with me. And I said, let's just do this. He goes, let's do it, man. You know, we'll go hammer nails during the day and then we'll go and we'll practice and have fun and drink a few beers and it'll be great. John had now started playing guitar and a friend of ours said, hey, he's got some pretty cool music. You should listen to it. I'm like, he's a drummer. You know, I, I don't need a drummer. He's like, no, he's playing guitar now. So I go to his apartment. He lived in the same apartment complex as, as the one that me and Vinny lived in. And the first song that I heard on a four track was black. Really? First thing. Yep. First thing he played for me. So our thing was we had really at that point, not even really broken up the band that we were, that me and Vinny were in. We were just kind of moonlighting and jamming with him. So we went in the studio, the three of us and me and John sang the stuff, you know, it was just like just a jam. And finally, when it was like, we've had enough of this band, we've had enough of this, this whole thing. Um, that was when I said, well, we're going to get this. We're going to take John, the drummer that plays guitar. And I know this guy, this kid, LeJean, and he's doing this hybrid thing with his band where it's kind of funk rock, but it's, he's got an aggressive, aggressive, like, presence to him yeah. but he's the sweetest kid in the world and i was like i want to i want to play with that guy because he's the sweetest kid in the world you know like that's what i want i want nice people and he was younger and i'm like he's got we got to take his guitar player with him because he'll never leave his band alone so we kind of took his guitar player as uh just more of a insurance policy like we'll take him and that'll get Lejean to come and then I'll manipulate this enough to get this dude out of here <laughs> I mean I might be I might be nice but I'm I can be I can be pretty brutal in when, that world when motivated so, be a dick huh yeah you know we had the band together for about a year and the other guy was more of the funk guy and we were starting to write more heavy material and Clint I had known forever and he was in all the cool bands, you know, I mean, his one band especially was like the band in our area and they were the most popular and they were the first ones to like get close to getting a record deal that we were really close with. They ended up firing their singer and keeping the rest of the band and calling it something else. And I was like, there's a chink in the armor here, yeah. like, cause his brother's in the band with him. So I'm like, Man, I'll never get him but I saw the chink in the armor and I went and saw them play and I let him hear the demo that we had done. And within a few months he quit the band and he joined us. He was the one person that I didn't know 
as far as hanging out with enough, whether he was even, I knew he was cool, but I didn't hang out with him a ton. So he was the one person that I made the exception. I'm like, we're really close to having something special here, I think. And that guy, without question, would be the best musician in the band. And he'll add not only his songwriting, not only his voice, but he also had a very aggressive presence. And I wanted to destroy things. Like, I wanted to intimidate bands. And when we started, there was no Slipknot or anything like that. So we were really torching bands. Yeah. I mean, there was a time that we were absolutely the bully on the block. <laughs> well, we used to say we would play with some bands and they would just, the band would just break up. <laughs> you know, it's like, it was, it was a lot of fun. And then of course, you know, then the Slipknots of the world came around and we were like, Oh, there's another <laughs> bad dude on the block here. <laughs> you know? Well, one, I don't think we want to mess with that. One, one statement that, that rang true with me, a friend, when I, you know, I first got into you guys was on the uh, second album and, uh, and he goes, you got to check this band out because it's aggressive. And, uh, you know, me, you know, me, uh, I'm a dude uh, filled with angst and, and all kinds of other shit. And uh, sure. it, 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 he goes, it's like a fucking drum core. The whole thing feels and sounds like a drum core. And it just punches you in the gut and you're going to love it. And that, that for me was kind of the hook because, uh, you know, I mean, I've sat behind your, your kid at one show and uh, I, I just suck as a musician. But for me, it just connected. It had that ferocity that, that uh, you know, it was like, OK, these guys are talking about stuff that I'm feeling. I mean, the idea was we weren't I won't say we weren't good, but John had been playing guitar for like a few years, you know, right. I mean it wasn't like we had there was an area that we didn't feel comfortable getting out of that area it's like i don't know if we're good enough to go over here or here so why don't we do this john's a drummer he's very rhythmic i'm just gonna mime everything that he does so the whole thing is just gonna be i mean you know like that's it just mime everything is morse code like just copy that dude you know and so that was where that thing came from. Now, I would never, ever say that we invented that because really it's, to me, it's a Pantera move. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, I feel like Pantera really invented that. But there was something about the ingredients that went into the band. And it's like, this is really strange. We've got a few, you know, guys that like Leonard Skinner. We've got a guy over here that likes, you know, Metallica and Anthrax. And we've got this guy over here that likes R&B, rock, Sam Cooke, you know, all that stuff. And it's like you put all those guys in a room together and it's like, OK, you know, it's going to be I mean, you know, it's all been done before. So it's just a matter of what thing. I mean, it's kind of like when you get a tostada or a burrito or a taco, I mean, it's really kind of all the same shit inside of a different shell, you know? All right. So it's like, we're just trying to figure out which new ingredients, you know, to put in there to make it just a little bit different than the, the band next to us. 
Yeah. Well, I, I would have to say great success on that. I like that analogy, too. Yeah. I thought over it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, come on. Mexican food is it's all the same stuff. Just oh, that's, to, that's Italian. Shit. That's Ita- my shit. Well, because you're Mexican. That's but. right. Italian, Italian, Italian's the same, too. I mean, yeah, it's, right? it's, and I love them both. Yeah, you know, right. It's just. Oh, shit. But it, uh, it was interesting for us to get a deal, and they didn't know what to really do with us. You know, I mean, it was. It was, that was a TBT, very right? strange thing for us. Yeah, TBT in 96, I think we got the deal. And then the record came out in 97. And it's like, we sell 311 copies the first week. And I'm like, I'll never forget that number, obviously, <sighs> due to the band. But it's like 311. You know, we sold 311. And I'm like, okay, that's that's our fan base. You know, that's about what we've what come to see us in Atlanta. And then the next week was like 440. And I'm like, ooh, I'm like, who the hell are those people? Like we haven't played anywhere yet. Like, right. and then the next week's like 500 and I'm like, Oh shit. Like we're famous. <laughs> Far from famous. But I mean, they put us to college radio first, which, uh, WSOU in New Jersey, uh, Seton hall, uh, was actually the first one to really, they, they really made things happen for us there. We ended up being a band from Georgia, Southern boys from Georgia, that ended up being way bigger in the New York, New Jersey area because that that channel just blew us up in that area. People thought that we were from New York. Right. And New York is not the easiest place to impress, and they were impressed. We played 13 shows on the first record in New York. The first show that we played there was at this place, Coney Island High. Funny enough, Roy Mayorga, who is a dear brother of mine, was running sound at Coney Island High at the time. And there was probably 20 or 30 people there. And then the next time there was 60. And then there was 180. And then there was 300. And we just went boom, boom, boom. So I ended up doing 25 people at Coney Island High. And then fast forward 21 months later, we finished up our tour at Hammerstein Ballroom and I think that our openers that night were Godsmack and Kid Rock <laughs> and we sold out Hammerstein at like you know almost 4,000 people Yeah. so it was like that all happened in 21 months played New York 13 times on one record you know? holy shit what is, what is it meant to you? Because, you, you know, you mentioned Kid Rock, Godsmack, and there's been so many other bands that have come out with you guys on the road as openers. <laughs> um, what is it meant to you to kind of do that, to help break some of these these people, you know? I mean, really, I you, you have. I fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the joke. It was like we used, we finally got to the point where it's like a new band would come out with us and we're like, congratulations, guys about to happen <laughs> it's about to happen for you because i mean the list was long yeah i mean even even slipknot played before us you know yeah. it's like disturbed we took out on like one of their first tours they didn't even have a record deal yet yeah you know disturbed godsmack incubus system of a down uh like i said slipknot played before us a few times um stained yeah uh name them you know i mean pretty much all of them you know and we never at first we were like well everybody's got a major label and we don't but our label spent pretty good money on us and so we were like what is it and finally somebody at radio told me that we weren't straightforward enough that we weren't 
the mass accessible to people, which I said, you're going to tell me that system of a down is, Yeah. I mean, like that doesn't sound, I mean, it's absolutely amazing and it changed the game and I love them, but you're going to tell me that that is meat and potatoes. Like that shit is unbelievable. That's, I wish that I could do that. That's all over the place. Yeah. So, well, there's anomalies, you know, so it's like, you just heard it all, you know, we were our, our kiss of death with TVT when we were ready to, to move on from there was when we were doing the seasons record and we're getting ready to do it. And they said, you guys need to listen to more current stuff on rock radio, like the killers and the vines and stuff like that. And I was like, we're out of here. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to, we're not going to be that. Again, nothing against them. I'm just not going to do that. So that was the beginning of the end of us there. And I can only imagine because that was such a great record. You know, that was for me was such a cool thing about starting to, I started my radio career just before Seasons came out. And that's really when I started connecting with you. And I think on that album tour alone, I saw you guys like 10 times. Yeah. We toured like crazy back then. <laughs> well, and you did the, mean, one, the, the one show in uh, Santa Cruz. We got you at the Catalyst that I got to introduce you guys on stage. Yeah, absolutely. So at what point, though, in the success, Morgan, did you start to notice the, you know, because people, people that haven't done the road, they don't understand. At what point did you start kind of self-medicating or seeing that the band, I mean, you know, um, Clint's been very, very open and, and, and I love seeing his stuff that he posts on social media about maintaining his sobriety now, which is an inspiration. He's, to he's me. the most amazing person on the planet in my yeah. eyes, like from where that guy came from to where he is now. And he's my best friend, you know, on the, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I've got two guys that him and my friend Lauren and those two guys, I mean, I love everyone in my band, obviously. And they're all brothers to me and I love them unconditionally. But Clint is, that's my guy. Yeah. You know, I, I got his back and what he did and what he went through. And it's, I mean, should make movies about it. You know, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. So my thing was, it started pretty quick with the drinking. But it wasn't because I was really self-medicating. I was enjoying myself. You know, that was, I didn't have kids then. You know, it was like, this is all crazy. You know, like, I'm just a little dude from Georgia. And all of a sudden, you know, we're on tours and there's lots of people here. And I I believe when I look back on it, that there was some sort of self-medicating that was coming from a little bit of social anxiety. Yeah. I think that the attention was like overwhelming. I mean, back then it would be like you get done playing a show and there's 200 people standing outside your bus, you know, it was wild, you know? So I was just like, this is a party. This is a lot of fun. I'm young enough to where I can do this and wake up and not feel like I'm dying. Oh, I miss uh, that. And what we, yeah, (laughs) yeah, for sure. And uh, I remember the first hangover, the first real one, you know, and I was like, this isn't good, (laughs) you know? But we would, we would go pretty hard to where I don't want to throw anyone in there with me. I'll just say for me, it would be like you drink all night and then you're getting ready to go on stage and the intro is going and there's a trash can out behind the backstage door going into the venue. And I'm like, Oh, you know, throwing up before I go on there because 
and I remember we used to make these comments where it'd be like before we were going on, you know, me and whoever would have been my running mate that night, whether it be one, two or all, uh, we're not drinking tonight, dude. Like it's not going to happen. There's no way. And it'd be like, no way we're going to eat. We're going to watch movies. We're going to bed. It's going to be great. Play the show, sweat it out, get done, look at each other, go, let's do it <laughs> right back in. And that happened forever. You know, that was like, we just finally got to the point where we couldn't even say we're not going to drink because it was like, it's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, like I never drank before I played ever or during because I tried to do it one time and fell apart. And I'm like, I was way more concerned with embarrassing myself than I was with having a good time. Yeah. Understandable. So, yeah. um, I'd walk off that stage and it would be like run to the dressing room to get a drink. And uh, loved it. Had many, many great times with all that. Regret it, parts for sure. Uh, wish I wouldn't have done that kind of damage to my body, 100%. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it caused some problems. It definitely took our mind off of business. Yeah. which was a big mistake because you can get very much manipulated and destroyed over that uh, when you're not paying attention. But, um, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was a different time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I was uh, incredibly concerned when I saw that you were having some health issues. So I'm, I'm glad that uh, some of that stuff is, is clearing up and, you know, that I know. was that was for sure scary. I mean, that was like I might not make it here, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, we were going to Europe. I don't even know if that story came out, but I mean, we were going to Europe the next day, and um, so uh, here we are going to Europe, and I have a stomach ache, and it's so bad I can't get up, and started throwing up, and went to the hospital, and when I got there they were like immediately put this guy in ICU. Oh shit. Like, put him on put him on morphine, give him uh I forget what the medicine was that they uh gave me to stop throwing up. But yeah, so they, I go up there, they found a mass in my and um so they didn't know what it was. So for days I was on morphine and uh anyway it was another, you know, knock you on your ass pain medication. So they thought I was going to die. I pulled like, you know, I think like three liters of poison out of my stomach. Oh, shit. So I was like going into sepsis and all that. And uh, so then they finally on my birthday, they're like, they've been wanting me to go to surgery and I'm trying to, I'm like, you guys are basically just exploring. I don't want you cutting me open and going in there. You don't even know what's going on with me. And I had kind of stabilized, but they had this tube down my nose and my throat into my stomach pumping the stuff out of my stomach and the night before when i thought i was getting better they pulled another liter of this poison out of me and there was something wrong so on my birthday i'm like laying in the bed waiting for the doctor to get there and he goes how you doing i'm like i'm ready to go to surgery like now and he goes you are and i'm like like right now and he goes hold on a minute and ran out went down had moved somebody out of the way and I was in there in like 30 minutes, they're cutting me open on my birthday, you know, woke up and they told me that I had 
all kinds of shit going on in there that wasn't good. So uh, if I would have gotten on the plane to Europe, I would have died on the plane. So it was that close. And uh, those people were amazing, man. They saved my life big time. You know, it was just like the doctors were amazing. The nurses were amazing. I mean, it was unreal. It was the one time, you know, people say these things. They're like, you know, I wonder. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe I'm the only (laughs) idiot. But it's like they say, you know, I wonder if anybody will be at my funeral. I wonder if anybody will give a shit. And uh, so I got to kind of live that, you know, where it was like, you know, I've got, you know, shine down and other bands that are all, you know, posting about me and they're, they're like at the, you know, in Europe talking about me on stage and praying for me. And, you know, the outpour that I got was outrageous. I mean, it was beyond humbling and like, I was floored, you know, I didn't know that that many people cared. So, you know, it was, it was pretty heavy. Yeah. You know, and I know that, um, personally haven't seen it, you know, fans obviously had it, of course your family, but there's so many of us that have had a chance to get to know you. And it, I got to tell you, it, it, uh, it, it had my heart hurting, man. I was just, uh, I was just putting those prayers out there to you that, uh, everything was going to be okay. And thank goodness it, it, it is because, you know, yeah, like you said, I you, appreciate it, man. You, 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 you have this gift and, uh, you know, it's really brought so much happiness to so many people. And of course, you know, your, your, your kids, which I, I've been able to meet one of them, uh, they just love and adore you. Yeah. It's great that you get to continue and carry on and just have life because it's the, the smile you have right now is the smile that I've always enjoyed when uh, when we get together. Uh, I appreciate it, man. And talk I about the it. ultimate you know, birthday present. I got all love for you. Ultimate birthday present, man. You know, your life getting saved on your birthday, you know, by all those doctors and nurses. So That was what I said. You know, a lot of people were sending me messages or like, bummer that this is, you know, how you're spending your birthday. And I'm like, dude, I got saved on exactly my life. my life was was i mean yeah it was the ultimate yeah i wished i wouldn't i wasn't gonna i wasn't in there but I, mean, <laughs> sure, I, sure. Was, I was like you know it was pretty amazing i mean what a weird like just me personally which i am zero special you know i'm just the same as anybody else but i look back on it because you know my mental stability was being tested i went through this thing where I went through a really rough breakup a few years ago five, four years ago or whatever and I was like I'm going to be single like I don't trust myself yeah. I, don't, I don't trust my decisions I'm not healed from the things that have happened to me and I jump into a relationship and it's really not fair to the other person you know it's like I've got shit I need to handle and I haven't done anything to handle them and that was what I did for many years so my idea was I'm going to be single and I'm going to let whoever I'm hanging out with, no, I'm going to be single. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not interested in anything serious. I don't know whether that's, I mean, I'm not really interested in, you know, just like getting together and, and fucking or any of that either. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to be, you know, some guy that's just out there playing everybody. I don't know what to do, but I do know one thing. I'm not ready for a relationship. No way. And it was amazing because I ended up, I got really happy. I mean, you know some of my people clint and you know some of my really close people are like dude you know, what the fuck happened you know like you're like gandhi 
I'm like, dude, I'm fucking walking through the fucking desert, man, like Kung Fu. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on another plane right now. So I didn't want anything getting in the way of that. You know, like I was totally happy, single, did not need anything more. And uh, then I got sick. And that would thank God I was in a good headspace when I got sick. So I would, you know, I didn't feel sorry for myself. I didn't say why me or any of that shit. I didn't go through any of that. There was nothing, you know, I was happy to be alive and, and, you know, determined to handle whatever was going on. So then you go deal with that for months. Cause I mean, even after I got out of the hospital, it was like, you know, I had all kinds of shit tests and everything they had to do for months. I finally got like a real clear, clean bill of health at the end of February. And then within two weeks, the world shuts down. And it's like, so emotionally, the roller coaster, I should have seen that you're vulnerable right now mm-hmm. because, you know, you went from this really high place to almost dying to thankful that you're not dead to the world shutting down. You know, it's like, it just was, it was enough that I should have been prepared to have to really buckle down to get my head right. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's been a struggle I, for so many though, you know, we've, we've had these conversations with so many folks over the course of this and, you know, people that you, that I've looked at as an example of sanity. Cause you know, I'm, I'm kind of like you and I'm a very emotional person and these things do affect me and they're struggling too. It's crazy. You know, I mean, what I, I've been avoiding, getting really deep into it but i mean it's like it's just it's such a strange time i mean it's so weird you know i mean there's guys that are really really taking a stance on some things publicly and i have to say i envy them you know i'm like wow man that is that's going after it that's that's really not giving a fuck and standing by what you believe in and i do feel that i am an outspoken person so I believe that at the right time, I'll be very vocal about most all current events. Yeah. But it ain't going to be today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, hey, hey, Morgan, you know, brother, it's great to see that you're doing good. And really, you know, there's definitely was the, you know, as you've illustrated and shared, thank you for, you know, the substance abuse went on for so long. And it's great to see you healthy and on the other side. But, we want to talk some fun shit here, too. You and I, both huge Motley Crue fans, I'm still pissed at Tommy Lee for not getting me instead of Machine Gun Kelly to play him in the Dirt movie, but I've never <laughs> got to ask you, what the fuck was it like playing for Motley Crue, Mikey? Did you know that Morgan, when Tommy Lee got injured, Morgan sat in on the kit for Motley fucking Crew? I did not know that. Yes. What was that like? That, so, me and him are good friends. We're close, and so I had gotten home from tour with seven dust and the next day I get a call at noon from him and I'm putting my one year old in the car and I'm like, I got to answer this, you know, what's up? And he goes, where are you at? I said, home. He goes, perfect. I need you in Cincinnati. Like now I'm like, dude, I just got home. He goes, dude, you have to help me. Like I fucked myself up. I need you to fill in. I'm like, you know, okay, this is crazy, you know, but I have to do it long story as short as i can make it he's like i need you to go to the airport now i will let you know what time you're flying out somebody will call you but pack a bag for two weeks at least and you know if you have any gear you want like sticks or pedals or anything bring it 
So I pack up some pedals and some sticks and a bag and I'm on my way to the airport, not knowing what time I'm even leaving. And I get a message and email and planes leaving like an hour and 15 minutes and I'm 30 minutes from the airport. So I get there. I barely get on the flight. They don't even get my luggage on the flight. I get on the flight. I land. There's a car waiting for me there. They jump me in this car and they're hauling ass to, and I'm like, where are we going? They're like, we're going to the venue. And I'm like, Oh, am I practicing? And they're like, uh, no, they're playing tonight. And I'm like, playing tonight. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I don't, okay, well I must be doing a sound check. There's no fucking sound check. I'm like, well, I got to be able to go up there and listen and play through. No, you can't play because it's a large show. There's bands already going to be playing by the time we get there. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I get there and he's like, we're doing the whole Dr. Feelgood record. I know three songs on the record. Never even heard like Sticky Sweet or Rattlesnake Shake or uh, She Goes Down or anything like that. Never heard that shit. Never even heard it. I'm a huge Motley Crue fan, but I was kind of like segueing into Metallica and other things at that point. So I didn't know the shit. I hadn't even heard it. And I've got three hours before I'm going on stage. So I'm putting my clothes on and I'm looking at a video and I'm writing notes down on these big pieces of white paper, just like boom, boom, caca, boom, boom, Beatles ending, grind, grind. Uh, wait for Nikki, you know, like shit like that. I'm writing this on these big pieces of paper that they would just switch out every song or two. So I go up on the stage to play the show and Tommy's got a microphone and, you know, got a click and got my ear, my ears in and, you know, clicks going and he's like, okay, dude, you know, four on the floor in three, two, one, you know, and they uh, do that. He goes, okay, man, you nailed it. Okay. And, uh, here comes halftime yeah. in three, two, you know, and that shit. That's a that true. was uh, the most insane night of my life. And then I did like two weeks out there. Talk, so talk about trial by fire, right? It was the craziest shit I've ever been through. Ever. <laughs> I had a full. I was gonna on say that was giving me anxiety. Just hearing it, I'm getting anxiety <laughs> attack. Fuck. Yeah, uh, I might have to go have a drink just telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's it's so funny for me because uh, you know, out of all the bands I love, you you really are my favorite drummer, and I say you have the best feet in the damn rock world. And it's so funny oh, to me man. to think back about the beginning of this conversation for you to go, yeah, I sucked. It's like fucking how? How could you suck? Yeah. Ever at one point. I mean, you know? I mean, I was talking to Clint about it. Like, I'm just in a much better place now than I've ever been when we were touring. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's I'm not Clint. You know, I haven't gone through, you know, I don't even know how many years it is now, 12, 13 years of sobriety for him. Yeah. Maybe longer. Um, that's not the history I have behind me. He's got many records, many tours, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I've never been in a better place physically and mentally to get ready to not get ready, but to, you know, prior to going on the road. So it's like, I told him, I was like, man, you know, I never practice ever. When we get ready for a tour, we do a long sound check. You know, I will not have played the drums at all for four months. And then I grab a pair of sticks. I'm like, Oh, you know, that's what that feels like. (laughs) And then we start practicing 
you know, playing to a few songs at Soundcheck, and they're like, "We're good." And I'm like, "Are you fucking guys have been sitting on your couch with your headphones and playing guitar?" You know, I've been playing on my legs. I told him, I said, "It's amazing, man. I I got away with doing the bare minimum, like no practice, barely any rehearsal, just bare minimum." And when you're a mess, and you realize that hmm, nobody really notices. Like I'm getting away with fucking murder right now. It's like it breeds laziness and it breeds uh, irresponsible uh, acts to where it's like, again, the girl that I'm, that I'm with, she doesn't, she's not the pushy bullying type by any means, but there's something about it where it's leading by example. She is a lead by example kind of person where it's like, she's in the gym. I could sit at the house if I want, or I could go, hmm, maybe I should go to the gym. She's like, I'm going to go on a hike. You want to go? And I'm like, I could sit in the house or I guess I probably should go on this hike. You know, I mean, it's, she just is a positive influence on my life. And I never realized how important it is to really surround yourself with good, positive energy and, and good people that understand the universe and how like, deep it really can get yeah. you know and and i mean you know, just i'm i'm a different human being now you know yeah i mean when the fuck did i ever think i was going to be sitting down reading a book in the middle of a field you know i mean that never entered my mind <laughs> uh, embarrassed at how basic and good i am at the ball <laughs> 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 no man it's uh it's the funny thing I, I i and tell me if i'm wrong but even all the shit you've experienced which you know i've had my total chaos as uh as you know some of my personal shit from our conversations it's like now yeah. that that basic boring or whatever people think it's so fucking great it really is yeah and it's yeah. so fulfilling it is man when the head is in a good place you know i mean it's it's that are and it's like you know it needs to be tuned up and it needs to be washed and it needs to be taken care of you know i mean the mind is super fragile i mean like i said i was in a great place and then something happened and i went to a really dark place for a short amount of time but it was like damn man you know i forgot to fucking change the oil on this thing and now it's fucking sputtering down the road and i gotta get it worked on yeah so that's really what happened to me I mean, that's, I'm not a big advice guy. You know, I don't, I, I, I am the last person to be really giving advice to anybody. I mean, I go to the Mickey Mantle school where it's like, you know, you want to know what to do. Don't do what I did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the one thing that I, I do stand by is that fucking mind, dude, it works hard. I mean, certain people, that thing never stops going. You know, I'm one of those people where, yeah. I need to either be, you know, there's ways to, to kind of divert your attention by staying busy and stuff like that, but you got to live with it at some point, mm -hmm. you know, can't stay busy getting ready for bed, laying down. That's a dangerous place. Yeah. You know, when it's like now I'm alone to reflect with my thoughts and you know, what did I do and what's going on and am I okay? And, uh, so it, it takes, consistent maintenance yeah absolutely and you know people we, we you know anyone listening is we got to realize that we're absolutely worth that maintenance yeah 
Cause you can end up in a situation, like I said, where it's like, I mean, I went from being super good, you know, in a very comfortable place where I was mentally. And then just without realizing it, it was like fucking tire blew out, you know? And I was like, Oh fuck, this isn't an easy fix. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't like, ah, uh, cause I'm super self-aware. Like I know, I know usually when something's starting to happen for me in a, you know, in a place that I'm, I don't want to go and I can take accountability for anything. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the hand raiser guy, you know, I'm not the guy that says you're wrong. Uh, I take accountability and I assess what the situation is, but I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh my God, like I'm so fucked up. I gotta, I, I have an emergency therapy session that I need right now. Like I need to talk to this guy right now and start figuring out the workshop and what do I need to do to get the car back on the road, yeah. you know? Well, Morgan, uh, wanted to uh, tell us what's going on with the band. Of course, uh, a couple of songs are out uh, um, from the album, but it's uh, dropping as uh, October, late October? October 23rd, the Seven Dust record comes out. Um, I have a solo record coming out that I don't even know if I'm like even allowed to say when, but it's going to be after that. Okay. So I'll, I'll do this. It's going to be out after that and before next year. <laughs> so my manager like hates me because I constantly give up information, uh, but it is going to come out this year for sure. And it'll, I've already shot a video for it and I already, nice. it's already all done. And, uh, what's the, the seven dust record? Go ahead. What's the vibe of, of your, your solo stuff? I'm assuming much totally different, different than seven dust. Yeah, totally different. Um, I think, I mean, there's been a lot of people that have heard it and seen the video and stuff. And, uh, it's crazy. I mean, it's, they, the people, the powers that be think that it's going to freak people out. So, I mean, I'm known for, you know, you know, screaming all the time and fuck you, fuck you and all (laughs) that. And this isn't that at all. There's like one song on there that's, pretty heavy that could fall into the seven dust world and mm. then uh there's three, uh, four other ones that are not from that vibe so um it'll be interesting you know i'll be excited to hear people hate on it and yeah. then hear people say i didn't know he could sing and other people that say who's singing and that kind of shit you know That's the bombardment awesome. of those but uh yeah, the Seven Dust record, I'm really excited for people to hear that because, you know, we released the cover and then today, I guess, officially released another song. Yeah, as of this recording, and, I was listening to it this morning. Yeah, so it's like, uh, those are, I mean, the, the Soundgarden song was like unbelievably special for us, you know, and... Yeah. You know, I messaged back and forth with Matt Cameron, which completely fucking freaked me out. Yeah. You know, it's like Matt Cameron reposting this thing and saying, thank you guys. And I'm like, idolize the dude. Yeah. So I'm like trying to have a conversation with him. Yeah, dude, no problem. <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. It's fucking I mean, I called, sound I texted garden. and called everybody. I'm like, Matt Cameron just messaged me. <laughs> he followed me on Instagram. You know, I'm oh, like, oh, crazy. Shit. 
completely fanboyed out. Oh yeah, I, I I totally get it, man. I know what that's like. It's a uh, it's like uh, Twitter. John Cena followed me back on Twitter. I'm like the fucking John Cena followed me. What did I do? Uh, you know. So it's like you know, amazing. when it's people that you dig what they do, and it's so cool to see you. I you know, I know we've talked about some of those influences, but it's yeah. cool to see you still excited yeah. like that, man. It makes you feel oh, like that man. kid again. Well, and there was this affirmation too from, I mean, when you hear from Matt Cameron saying, I approve, it's yeah. like, oh, thank, thank God, man. Yeah. Because that that was a very touchy, like very touchy situation. Yeah. I mean, to do the song was like, if it doesn't come out sounding real cool, I want the, I want the, the whole file burned to the ground. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want it ever going anywhere because it's like, nobody fucks with Soundgarden. Yeah. Like nobody, nobody gets in that world. I mean, Cornell in its own is like, you, you better be really confident that you can do something that at least gives it justice. You know, yeah. you're not going to be him, but at least something that shows, you know, give it, you know, give it some justice. Yeah. But the band, you know, I mean, I was like, I, I broke that damn thing down so hard. I was like, I'm not going to, I might make it my own because I can't play it the way he does. Cause Matt Cameron has a groove. That's just totally unique. And so I was like, I'm going to play it like him. I'm going to give the respect to the song. I want to play it the way he played it, but it's not going to sound like him because I ain't as cool as him. <laughs> you know, he's got a swag about him. He's got some sort of sludginess about his plan that that comes from somewhere else, you know? And, uh, so I did the same kind of thing where I was like, I just kind of want to do it justice. That's it. I don't, I'm not trying to do anything other than do it justice. That's yeah. it. Ah, you did brother. It's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you, bud. Well, we know that uh, you're at the studio and we appreciate your time, but we like to wrap up with some uh, quick fire questions. If you don't mind, Mr. Rose. Yep. I love these. All right, Mike, you go for it. <laughs> Okay, well, we have these, but I got to know. You say you're a big sports fan. I got to – who are your teams? Let's hear I'm assuming the Falcons, right? No. No. no I'm a Buccaneer fan. Bucks? Oh, so you're excited about this year then. I mean, that's the thing. Is like I'm a Yankee fan with baseball and I'm a Buccaneer fan of football. And, you know, baseball is like a, you know, makeshift season. Right. That now half my team is hurt. And football is like terrified that it's not going to actually happen when I have, you know, Gronkowski and Brady. I'm still, I don't know how football is going to work. I mean, their training camp, I'm a diehard 49er fan, so I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. It says football starts. I saw on Instagram Sunday, three weeks from today. So we'll see. We'll see. What about, what about basketball? Oh, basketball, I kind of move around because I'm really more of, I mean, I do like the Hawks in basketball, sure. but, uh, but I like players, you know, yeah. like I, I am like, I'm, I like weird players too. Like, I mean, I, I am a LeBron fan. I, I do love LeBron, sure. even though I'm one of those guys that thinks that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Because he is. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I'm a diehard Lakers and, fan and a Magic Johnson nut, and I got to go, yeah, Michael Jordan is. Yeah, I mean, I love Magic Johnson. I like the old dudes. I like Bird, you know, and Julius. And yeah. I like a lot of the old Lakers, you know, Worthy and Kareem, Koopaloop and all that. I mean, yeah. I like that era. But, like, I like Levert. 
you know, from yeah. Brooklyn. Right. And that's like the guy I like now. But um, yeah. So I kind of move around right now. I mean, I, I want the Lakers to win it, but I have a running a bet that the Lakers that. are going to win. Yeah. But I'm a Warrior fan, so I really don't care who wins the season. So it's, it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, out. Uh, all right, uh, Morgan. Go for it. What are your pet peeves? Oh, Jesus. I don't really have a whole lot of them. Oh, shit. Uh, you can have some of mine. I, I got a ton. <laughs> but I don't like, uh, well, I don't like thieves. That's like mm-hmm. my, my pet peeve is people that steal, and I don't care what it is. Like the most minor thing. Yeah. And I for don't like thieves. For Seven Dust fans, you can go back. There's even a song about that. Oh yeah. 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 I didn't write that, but yeah. Who was was it Clint's guitar that got stolen or, or was it uh, John's? Yeah. Uh it was I believe it was Clint's. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh let's see. Um other than uh music, what's your favorite hobby? Golf. That's right. I, we were yeah. just talking about I'll, golf. I got to get into golf. I feel like I'm older now. I have yeah. enough patience for it. When I was younger, I didn't. But go ahead. You're golfing. Yeah, golf is golf is my my main thing. I don't play enough lately. I played last week, but uh, and I am. I mean, I have to say, I am absolutely obsessed with like DraftKings. So, yeah. yeah i'm obsessed with with DraftKings, and i mean i don't spend a lot of money in there but there's something about the excitement of constant daily fantasy yeah. that just i guess that's also that i'm i guess i'm a degenerate gamble <laughs> <laughs> i mean but i'll go in there and play for free you know for i'll sure, play yeah. free games just to see you know because it's exciting the thing i love about it football especially is that you know you might be watching the colts lions game and not give two shits about anything and then all of a sudden it's like you know i've got Stafford going and all yeah. of a sudden that's the most important game on tv sure yeah, yeah. i i tend so to do it's it on made me love uh, my you thing is motorsports. I'll I'll oh. do it on motorsports, Formula One and NASCAR, and so it gets me a little more invested. I do the NASCAR too. I've done that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, I'll gamble on who's going to talk next out of that mic right now. <laughs> oh, you got those gnarly uh, bets going, like Super Bowl. Yeah. Who's going to show more cleavage, Shakira or J Lo? Is the no coin quite. toss going to be heads or tails? Yeah, we do the coin toss every year. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, every year it's the best bet in the best bet going fifty fifty shot. Yeah, I actually don't want to talk about the Super Bowl last year, so we'll just move on. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if you uh, can have right. dinner with one person, dead or alive, who, who would it be, be and why? Oh man, it's my. I love this question. That's a great question, man. Um. Well, I would definitely, if I could do it, it would be my Nana. She passed uh, away, and it would be my Nana for sure. Yeah. 100%. But if it's somebody outside the family and not being so or not you know sad about it, uh, I would probably say <sighs> Bonham. Really? Mm, okay. That's badass. Yeah. That is badass. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask Bonham a bunch of questions. Oh, I mean, I can only imagine. It's a, it's the same kind of thing of you know. I mean, there's 
that's a really good question. It's, I mean, I came up with 10 names right away. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe Neil Pert instead. I don't know. There's a lot, right? When I first saw the question, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, dude, I'd have a ton. But there's a bad yeah. side about asking this question is because I automatically, I immediately feel like a dick because we had Lamar Odom. What did he say? He was a. Uh, Oh God! He said Jesus. He said Lamar Odom when we had him on the the podcast. He's like Jesus. It's like shit. We're uh, we're over here like you know. I was like Marilyn Monroe. I don't know. And then we had you who oh, said yeah. your nana, and I had lost my grandma that I'm very close with. She's tattooed on my chest. Love her to death, and I would yeah. love to see her. But when I saw this question, I'm like, I'd love to have dinner with Robert De Niro. <laughs> I just think he'd be a cool guy just to go. Fuck yeah, I'd like that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah but you know, they're, they're people endless. say. People yeah. say, you know, they're nan or something. I'm just like, well, fuck, I feel like an idiot. Hey, <laughs> hey Mike, uh, you want these tacos? These tacos? Anishos. 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 Uh, yeah, dude, or Al Pacino, pretty much anyone in Scorsese movies. Yeah. So. All right, Morgan, if a, if a movie was made about your life, who would you want to play you? Oh, man. God. Got you thinking today, huh? Really <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to not just be clever and, or funny about it because the funny <laughs> side would be somebody much better looking. You know, <laughs> oh, take take DiCaprio or Gosling or any of those fucking right. dudes that aren't from this planet. And uh, but Tommy Lee. Oh fuck! Right, that'd be badass. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah I can see that makes sense. I, I get it. I don't get to play Tommy, but Tommy gets to play you. Perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hope to talk to him again and go, you know, you dick, you even retweeted when I said, hey, Tommy, I'm still up for that role. Uh, I love it. Oh, that movie was fun, though. Hey, it was exactly what it should have been. And and Machine Gun Kelly did a great job. I feel uh, like I could have done a better Freddy than Rami Malek, but we're still here. You're a fucking liar. There's (laughs) no way you could have done it. Oh, I could have totally done it. Try me. Cover up my tattoos. Put me in the booth. Let's do this. Uh, I love it. uh, Who's been your biggest inspiration or mentor? Mom, dad, Nana. Yeah. And uh, guys like John Tempesta, who took me under his wing right away. Yeah. Second record. You know, during the recording of our second record, he was like, took me totally right underneath his wing. Every endorsement that I have is linked to him. Uh, Whether, I mean, whether it's the ones that he started me with or advised me on, I always call him. And he always calls me to tell me of any opportunities he's got. He's he's my man. He's like a big brother to me. That's awesome. I dig it. Uh, Mikey, any more that you want to add here? I think we'll let you get going, man. You're in the studio. I know you got stuff going on and whatnot. We'll stop with these questions. I got a co-write today. I got a co-write today, a drum clinic tomorrow. Then I go home for five days, then back out to L.A. for five, then me and Clint are going to go on some kind of boys trip somewhere and go Good. hike a mountain somewhere and nice be you know be gone be two gandhis for a few days hey dude it's badass i've been doing a lot more hiking my brother and i went up to uh, uh lassen mount lassen in northern california and trust me nice. you, you ever want to get out and do a do a big hike morgan i mean you got my number shoot me we'll do it man because yeah, that's that's a fucking sure. challenge and a journey and at the end of it your body's hurt and you get to the top of that mountain and you're like I am a golden yeah. god. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, the 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 journey to get to the top, the last one that I did, 
I was like, I'm not going to fucking make it. Mm. And then I'm looking around and I'm seeing like kids and, you know, some people that are not quite in the best shape and they're on their way down. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, man, they can do it. You know, I got to be able to do this. Like, I got to man up a little bit. My girl is like, she'll climb fucking Everest, you know, with no backpack. You know, she's a damn thoroughbred, you know, and I'm in here just like, this is so brutal. You know, I'm just trying to not even keep up, just stay in like yell distance. Right. You know, but yeah, once you get to the top and you relax for a second, you go, man, I just did that, you know, and the, it, it does wonders for the mind. Yes, sir. Absolutely does. Well, Morgan, man, thank you, uh, for your time and absolutely um, jumping thank on you, here man. with us, sharing your story with all the, the listeners. And, uh, we're so looking forward to the new seven dust album and hopefully when, uh, things open up, we'll be able to reconnect in person, my brother. 100%. I love you dearly, man. You know that. Yeah. Love you too. Send all my uh, love to the guys and, and, uh, I will just t- give them, give them a hug. You know me, I'm a hugger. So give, give them a hug. Absolutely. 100%. All right, Morgan. Mikey, good seeing you. Morgan, buddy. it was very nice meeting you. I appreciate your time, you man. Too. This was awesome. A good time Absolutely. for sure. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, man. You guys have a great day. Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. Oh, Mikey, man, Morgan Rose. I just love that dude. Um, I've been, uh, I, I feel pretty fortunate that, you know, I had a 20 year radio career for people that maybe coming along to have um, not only made a, a, a friendship with Morgan, but the other guys in Seven Dust and, and not a knock on any other band, but to me, they've just always been some of the most genuine, loving, kind people uh, out there. He definitely was a sweet guy, man. Like, I had never talked to him before, and he you could tell he was just, you know, a very genuine, nice person. And can I say that when he was explaining filling in for Tommy Lee, flying there, you know, getting there an hour and a half before the plane leaves, and he's 30 minutes out, gets there, what the fuck are we even doing? Oh, they're doing a gig tonight. It's like, I felt mine's eye racing. <laughs> like, what? And he only knew three of the songs? Like... I, I can't even imagine. Well, it was the Dr. Feelgood anniversary tour, so they were doing the, the, the majority of the album in its entirety. Yeah. And so I could totally get it. Like, I could understand, okay, you get, you know, Dr. Feelgood, that, you know, that you could do, boom. You know, you could, I could see pulling that off, but some of these songs that aren't as well known, and so I, I just—it's totally trial by fire, but was badass. And you can, of course, find some videos of Morgan playing with Motley Crue uh, up on the uh, the internet. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast, we'll uh, send some links for uh, Morgan's social media. It's in the description as well as the Seven Dust website and their forthcoming album, which is coming out in just over a month. So really mm-hmm. looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we thank you guys for listening. And of course, don't forget that uh, we are part of the 5150 LTM family. That's right. If you've seen some of the videos that uh, Mikey and I post on social media, you'll see us in the 5150 gear. You can get some of your own swag by going to 5150LTM.com. I've uh, been having some different specials here and there, so make sure to uh, bookmark that site. Follow them on social media as well so you can see when there's different sales and stuff going on and uh, get the gear. Absolutely. 
And of course, we're aligned with the Carlos Vieira Foundation and its three programs, the Race to Be Drug-Free, the Race for Autism, and the Race to End the Stigma. And for more on those great programs that they continue to put out different grants, and if you're interested in that, maybe you have someone in your family that needs help or someone you know that maybe they are autistic, have an autistic child or whatever it is, you can get some help through those grants. There are different grants. Of course, the Race to End the Stigma is all about mental health, Mm -hmm. and you can get some grants there. And then the great program the race to be drug free which is helping keep the youth off the streets active in different activities of course it's been a real challenge during these covid times but there is still opportunities to uh, get some help and resources there so that's carlosvierafoundation.org anything else mr naraki that is it we will see you next thursday people on that note keep knocking doors down The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.